Welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast, where we discuss weight loss, women's health, and food. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Awad, a family doctor and certified weight loss coach. This podcast is informational, but is not meant as medical advice. Anything you want to change after listening should be discussed with your own doctor and personal medical team. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hello, my vibrant friend. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Shelley Meyer, who has a newer podcast and YouTube video series called Women in Medicine Be the Change. She is also a functional medicine doctor. So today, she and I talk about sleep, hormones, and weight loss. But I want to know you can find more information about women in medicine and burnout and how to change your life on her YouTube channel, as well as functional medicine topics like hormones, supplements, all those good things. So I will have those links in the notes, but you can also just search her on YouTube. A lot of times we talk about sleep being necessary for weight loss, and I just want to put this conversation in here today because I really believe that optimizing your hormones is the way to make weight loss natural, comfortable, and permanent. So I wanted to talk about sleep today as it affects our hormones, especially cortisol, and how that interacts with our insulin levels, because these are things that will actually make a difference in your weight loss. So if you can work toward seven to nine hours of sleep, it will actually make losing weight easier. And we have studies that show the people that get low amounts of sleep, six hours or less, have more abdominal obesity, and have a hard time maintaining a normal weight, besides having a difficult time losing weight if that is their goal. So listen to this conversation today, and I hope you find some interesting information. I'm so happy to have Dr. Shelley Meyer with me today on the podcast and on YouTube, depending on how you're interacting with this. I love to let my audience kind of see a couple of doctors have a conversation about a subject that we find interesting together because we do like to talk about where our interests intersect and how that works for all of you when you come into our offices and ask us for help. Dr. Shelley Meyer is in primary care and functional medicine, which is a great kind of specialized look at root causes of diseases. And Shelley, if you could just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Heather. It's so great to be here. I started out my professional life as a dietitian. So I went to undergrad, got my bachelor's in nutrition, got my master's in nutrition, and then I was a dietitian for a few years and then just decided, hey, I want to do a little more. So I went back to medical school and family medicine, as I'm sure you understand, was always a feeling because it never got boring. <laughs> and there was always something interesting coming into your office. And then you can just work with the whole lifespan, you know, from babies to, to people in their elderly years. So that was a great combination, I felt like, to have the nutrition background and to be in family medicine. But then, you know, as you go along in medicine and you realize you're not getting the time with the patients that you really want, you're not getting to really help them with the whole lifestyle piece that might be contributing, you'd get a little dissatisfied in some situations. So that's how I felt. And having the nutrition training before it made me realize, well, I really want to approach kind of the whole picture and get to, like you said, the root cause of disease or dysfunction and, and help look at it from a lot of different angles. So that's why I went back and did my functional medicine training as well. 
That's cool. I feel like I send a lot of people to functional medicine. They'll say, I'm seeing my regular doctors and somehow are just not quite getting there. And I said, oh, I know who you need to go see. Yeah. I mean, that never gets boring either. And it's great to spend that time with patients and to really get to know all aspects of their life and try to help them figure out where things may have started and, Mm -hmm. you know, do the testing. We do a decent amount of kind of alternative testing to figure out how the microbiome is coming together with the hormone piece and all that. So it's kind of like being a detective in a lot of ways. Yeah, cool. Well, I invited Shelly today to talk a little bit about cortisol and sleep because in weight loss, sleep is super important because we're trying to align our digestive hormones. And when our cortisol is off, this messes things up. So I was looking at some data in 1910, people actually, I know it's like really old days, but people actually slept nine hours every night, which is so different than now. And I was looking up also that 30% of adults kind of in their 30s to 60s, 30% of them get less than six hours every night, which is Almost shocking anyway, because I can't even imagine functioning on less than six hours a night. But wow, but that really shoots up your cortisol levels. And cortisol especially is associated with abdominal obesity. I remember when I had the kind of perimenopause hormone changes, noticing a lot more weight going on there in the middle. But it also just affects your insulin to the point where your insulin goes up as well. And insulin is our fat storage hormone. So that really gets in the way of maintaining a normal weight. And if you're trying to lose weight, getting in the way of that. So can we just take a supplement and, and figure that out? <laughs> I know, I know. So I often hear that from patients is, yeah, well, what supplement do I need to be on to fix my cortisol? And you cannot supplement your way out of a cortisol problem. It's just impossible. Yes, it can be a supplement in the true sense of the word that it can help the situation and help, you know, there are adaptogenic herbs and and, and nutrients that can come together and really help tone down the cortisol when it's too high and make it a little bit more robust when it is too low. But 80% of it is that sleeping, like we were talking about, you know, getting the sleep, the seven to nine hours of sleep, stress, that's the main thing, stress. Those are stress hormones. So We have to have all these things in place to address our stress response, our situations that are creating stress, setting boundaries, sleeping, you know, eating to support a healthy cortisol level. There's so many things we have to look at when we're thinking about cortisol. Talk a little bit more about eating for balancing cortisol. What are good things to think about? Well, one, we have to think about how sugar and processed carbs affect our cortisol because, you know, the cortisol levels and the glucose can kind of mimic each other. And so when we are eating something that goes straight into sugar in our body and and not only cookies or, you know, sugar drinks or anything that have sugar in them, but the breads, the pastas, the staples of the American diet that are low fiber, high carb, that's going to go straight to that cortisol response too and spike it up and then maybe crash it down. You have this stress response over time, making it uneven and, and imbalanced. And then you add these foods in that do the same thing. And then we have a really imbalanced cortisol and imbalanced stress response. And then also caffeine, because we're all addicted to our caffeine and our our coffee and everything. And and I'm not telling everybody that they have to go off coffee or they have to go off caffeine, but it's going to also shoot it up and cause some imbalance too. So there has to be some some limit. There have to be some boundaries and limits on on caffeine. And I get really stressed out. and, And then I always wanted to eat like 
something sweet or some cereal or something like that. So really that was like a double whammy against. Yeah. And that's what you're craving, right? Because it's also what you're craving with your blood sugars imbalance. You're craving that and you think it's going to make everything better at the time, but then you know how you end up feeling more depleted after that usually. Gotcha. Gotcha. You see a balance there. So those are the main things I talk to people about. And then, you know, making sure they have a balanced snack or small meal or, you know, just meal in general with protein, fat and carbs together, coming together, as I'm sure you talk about the people that you work with, that all those pieces have to be there. So you're not hitting that blood sugar or cortisol with just the the carbs and then having that crash afterwards. Yeah. I've been hearing people online say, don't eat your carbs naked. Yeah, no naked carbs. The protein and fiber and fat and something, something to go with it. Definitely. So when people ask you about caffeine, what's kind of a good rule for looking at like when to stop caffeine? What do you like to tell people? Yeah, I usually say around noon, which isn't a popular popular thing that people like to hear. (laughs) But yeah, I like to encourage noon. And then, you know, if possible, if it's straight up strong coffee, like eight ounces or less per day. And then if you need a little something in the afternoon, maybe a green tea, which can be overall hormone supporting and sometimes actually be helpful with the cortisol, even though it does have some caffeine in it. It still has that ritual of a warm cup of something, but it's not that straight to the cortisol that the coffee is. Nice. Nice. So do you feel like the people that you talk to who aren't getting enough sleep, are they having trouble falling asleep, do you think? Or is it just that their lifestyle doesn't allow for more than six hours of sleep? Or what what do you see? It all depends on the person. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are structuring their lives to not allow enough sleep there, especially, you know, us as, as physicians, we meet other physicians that are professional women or in general, people that are working late into the evening after they put their kids to bed or after the family, whatever it needs to be done at home is done. And then you're in your pajamas on the computer doing something to do with work and totally screwing up your melatonin levels and all that. And so that, that can be it, that they're just not kind of preserving enough time to sleep. And then the hormonal piece of it, right? So if, you know, particularly for women, postmenopausal, perimenopausal, they're having maybe some estrogen dominance or too low progesterone, and then that's not allowing them to get that good quality sleep. So there could be all kinds of pieces like that, or they could be over-caffeinated with the high cortisol and the high carb diet. And then that's, that's contributing. It's a complex picture that we really have to talk to people about when we're working with them on sleep. It is. I remember having my own sleep really disturbed by perimenopause. I used to think that sleep was my superpower because I could sleep anytime. And then to have it interrupted, I felt terrible. And so, of course, then I drank more caffeine the next day. Right. (laughs) And then the cycle just continues, right? Yeah. Yeah. So do you have some ideas for just people who are just like, want a better sleep routine? What do you offer? What would you suggest? What are some things to look at? Yeah, I think we have to look at, like I was just saying about working in our bedrooms in particular, in our beds with our computers, you know, keeping the computer, the phone away out of the bedroom, get that natural melatonin boosted back up again. 
maybe if we do have to work into the evening or look at a device or, you know, want to watch a TV show wearing the amber glasses or the blue blocking light, blue light blocking glasses to help naturally build our melatonin and maybe even taking some melatonin if you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, really working on that stress management, maybe getting a, a nighttime routine in place where you are getting away from those devices at a certain time, maybe an hour before bed, hopefully further than that, but at least starting there. And then uh, having some quiet time doesn't have to necessarily be meditation, but that's great. You know, maybe it's a, you know, you take a bath every night or you do a couple relaxing yoga poses or you journal, something that doesn't involve external stimulation and that kind of can get you away from that constant that. buzzing. And it's funny because I think that we sometimes think that turning the TV on and then just zoning out is relaxation, but I was reading that that's not necessarily relaxing our body and our brains. It's not. And I have so many of my patients in my practice that are like, I say, what do you do to decompress? Well, I watch TV. I binge watch Netflix or something like that. Yeah, that's not doing it. And maybe there are some things you can watch on TV that would be relaxing. That's kind of the, the minority. A lot of the times we're watching something that's very distracting, maybe news or political situations that are going on or things in the world that aren't you know, decompressing our evening routine or even some of the dramas or the violent kind of things that that, uh, shows that are out there now are definitely disrupting our sleep. Yeah. And I love that you offered like a bunch of different ideas that people could use to decompress because for some people, like doing some of those stretches, yoga stretches would be very meaningful versus sitting down and journaling. They're really different things, but experimenting with some things and seeing, do I like this? Does this really help me? Or, you know, yeah. there's a lot, a lot of choices of things to do. There are, as long as it's quiet and it brings you peace and it's not distracting and you could even turn the lights down low, you know, just something to give your brain that message that, okay, this is when we calm down. <laughs> and just having that routine because the, hormones and insulin and cortisol and all that feed off of routine. And if you can, you know, introduce a calming, regular pace of routine, you're going to have a lot better hormone balance and a lot better sleep. That's interesting, isn't it? That our bodies then know, get the signal, oh, she's sitting down and journaling. Then our body says, oh, let's send all the calming hormones now. (laughs) Your bodies are interesting, interesting things. They are, they are. And we kind of understand a little bit more about how they work, then we can, you know, use those natural rhythms to help us out. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, thank you so much. I do recommend, though, that people, if you're having trouble with, with sleep, sleep disturbances, falling asleep, that finding a, a functional medicine doctor in your town would be a great place to visit. I if you might have tried the usual things and and it's not working because there are more things to try and to look at, you know, your functional medicine doctor can do blood tests to see what other imbalances, you know, may be helped with a supplement or, or a dietary change or something that could make a big difference in your life. So definitely there's a lot of tests that we do that you can't, you know, we can do some via blood work, but there's some other alternative tests that we do that you can see a pattern, you know, like particularly with cortisol, we like to do salivary or urinary metabolite testing. And then one of my favorites is what's called the Dutch test. And it, it can show your cortisol pattern all from little urine strips and then your melatonin level and estrogen and progesterone and all that. So there's some interesting testing out there that can all relate to sleep. 
Terrific. Well, thank you so much for talking about this today. I know because it messes up your insulin cycle and makes it hard to lose weight, I knew that my audience would be super interested in hearing about this. And and sometimes they hear me say, you know, you need seven to nine hours of sleep and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You hear that same rule over and over and you just kind of dismiss it and sleep has definitely become something that is taken for granted in our, our world of like, oh, I'll sleep later. Sleep when I'm dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to wait. That's <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's an important conversation to have, particularly in relation to weight. Thanks so much for having me. It's a good conversation to have and yeah, to talk about. Thank you again. And I will put in the show notes all your contact information too so that people can look at your YouTube channel. There's a lot of good stuff about functional medicine. Yeah. And so people can find you as well. If you would like more information about optimizing your hormones for weight loss, you can download Six Ways Professional Women Optimize Their Hormones for Weight Loss on my website at vibrant-md.com forward slash hormones.